Just Our Real Estate, episode number 273. And I remember thinking, after I did that, I only had $300 left in my savings account, and uh, I couldn't get past the fact that they're loaning me $80,000 to buy a duplex. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to Just Our Real Estate. My name is Mike Simmons. I am your host, and I am super excited to have you with me today. And I can't wait to dive into the show. But before I do, let's talk about lead generation for a minute. Are you generating enough leads? Are you really getting the amount of leads and quality leads that you need to run a successful business? Maybe you're trying to ramp up your business. Maybe you're trying to take it to the next level. Or maybe you're having trouble finding that first lead to do your first deal. Well, listen, I have a solution for you. It's not the only thing you should be doing, but it's something you definitely, definitely should be incorporating into your business. Whether you're a new real estate investor or a seasoned pro, you should have a lead generating website and I have just the thing for you. If you go to my website on the front page, the first page of my website, all the way to the right, there is a banner for Lead Propeller. Now, Lead Propeller is exactly what I'm using to generate leads online. I have my own website, my own lead generating website, and I built it using the Lead Propeller platform. If you click on that Lead Propeller banner, not only will you get access to the absolute best lead generating website that you could possibly get, you also get the first month free. All right, that includes your domain name, that includes hosting, and it also includes a customizable site that is very, very good looking. Now, I'm not just saying that because I have it, I have it because I believe in it. I have it because I think it looks great, and I have it because it works. I can tell you firsthand, I'm already generating leads with my site. So go to my website, juststartrealestate.com. On the right-hand side, click on the Lead Propeller banner, check it out, go there, sign up, put in the promo code JUSTSTART to get your first month free. I know you're gonna love it, guys. I'm telling you, go check it out. You really owe it to yourself and you owe it to your business to have a lead generating website that is generating leads for you every single day. Okay, let's get into today's show. Okay, thank you for joining me here on Just Start Real Estate. I am very excited to have you today. I'm excited you you tuned in, and I'm excited about my guest today. Today, I'm talking to Tyler Smirowski, and Tyler is a new house flipper, and we're gonna get into all of that, and I'm really excited because, guys, as you know, this website and this podcast and the blog and everything that I do online here is designed to help the new real estate investor just get started, get out there and get going, and I found Tyler on Bigger Pocket. He had a, a success story with a recent flip that he did, and it was inspiring to me. I, I really was into his story, and I reached out and contacted him, and he was gracious enough to agree to come on the show and talk to you. And as it turns out, Tyler's actually an accomplished investor, but the flipping side of it is relatively new. So we're going to get into all of that, guys, and I think you're going to identify with the story, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. So I'm excited to jump in. Now, Tyler is the husband to wife Erica and new father to son Brooke. So congratulations on that, Tyler. He's been investing since 2007 when he bought an owner-occupant duplex. And I think that's a cool way to get started. So I want to talk about that for sure. To date, 
state, Tyler owns 23 units and recently ventured into house flipping where he just sold his first flip last month. Tyler's currently working on a second flip and closing the third flip next week. His goal for 2015 is to complete and sell eight flips. When not investing in real estate, Tyler works full-time as a CPA. Tyler, I am psyched to have you on the show, man. Thanks a lot for agreeing to do it. Thank you, Mike. I uh, appreciate you inviting me on your show, and I look forward to it. Yeah, this is cool. I, like I said before we got on, on live here, I really like, you know, you're not a new investor per se, but house flipping is relatively new to you. So I'm really excited to talk about some of those trials and, and things and challenges that have come up and kind of figure out how you're how you're doing this whole thing. But before we get way ahead of ourselves, let's dial it back a little bit. Talk about you personally. Tell me a little bit about your background. What did you do prior to getting into real estate? And, and then how did the real estate bug kind of get you? How did you how did you get into real estate in, in 2007? All right. Well, uh, prior to getting into real estate, I was in college actually, and I remember is my senior year in college, and I was kind of thinking about my future, trying to see, you know, what the best way um, to save for retirement and that sort of thing. So, initially, I kind of ventured off into getting into mutual funds, stock investments, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I'd go down to my local Barnes and Nobles. And I, the first book I read was uh, Random Walk Down Wall Street. And it was a pretty good book. Uh, the whole premise of it was essentially to you know save your money every month. And over a period of 30, 35 years, you'd have quite a bit saved up. And I kind of thought that sounded okay, but wasn't quite for me. And uh, you know, just from there, I just got into, got into real estate because I was looking for a different a avenue to... Uh, you know, so kind of secure retirement down the road. So I just started eating up real estate books. You know, I'd go down to my Barnes and Nobles and uh, just pull the books off the shelves. I wouldn't buy them because I was in college. <laughs> I didn't really have much money, so I would yeah. just start reading the books off uh, off the shelf. Uh, the very first book I read was by Larry Loftus. Um, I think the title of the book was "Investing: How to Invest in Duplexes, Triplexes, and Quads." And from there, I was, I was kind of hooked. Okay, that's cool. You know, it, it's funny that you, you know, when in college, thinking about retirement is so foreign to me. I didn't. Th I'm 44 now. I didn't think about retirement until I was like in my mid 30s. So it's very impressive when people think about that right out of the gate like that. And it's funny. So far, we have similar um, paths to real estate. Uh, not necessarily our college part of it or the degree that you got, but. When I first started thinking about retirement and thinking, what am I going to do and how am I going to invest? I immediately gravitated towards stocks and you know day trading and that kind of thing. <clears throat> and part of it was I, I don't know it was it was really diff it, I wasn't probably smart enough to really figure that stuff out. It was really boring and it was like looking at hieroglyphics to me. So I you know as you research things online and investing in things, inevitably real estate does you know come up on Google if you go down far enough. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of how I stumbled upon it. So. Kind of, kind of similar there, and then you you read the book about duplexes and triplexes and quads, and is that when you decided to buy your first owner occupied duplex? Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, so from there, I was basically com convinced I was going to get into real estate, um, and that probably would have been beginning of two thousand six. Okay. I remember graduating college and uh, starting a full time job, and then the following spring of March 2007 I closed on my first owner occupied duplex and um looking back I 
really didn't have any clue what I was doing. <laughs> um, I was just looking for a duplex to buy, and I was looking for something. I remember at that time I was living in an efficiency apartment paying $250 a month. Wow. And my whole goal buying that first duplex was just to make to, to make sure that um, my portion of the payment after rent did not exceed two hundred fifty dollars. How'd you do? If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I was, I mean, look in hindsight, looking back, you know, I paid too much for the property and you know made all those beginner mistakes. But I still own the property and I lived there for about two years. And I think my initial mortgage payment was about six hundred dollars. And rent was four twenty five. So okay, you know, my out of pocket was about one seventy five. So I wasn't. Uh, I was living for almost for free. Yeah, that you can't beat that. And you still own the property. I assume it's cash flowing. Um. Yeah. It's. I mean, kind of going back, made some mistakes, but uh, I mean, it cash flows, but it's not uh, nothing extraordinary. But it, it's a property I'll own for quite a while. Okay. Okay. Is it an, in an appreciating area or no? No, that's kind of the thing. <laughs> it was kind of in a lower income area. Um, and I, you know, like I said, I, I just wasn't, um, didn't quite know what I was doing, but I was just convinced I was going to buy something. So I went ahead and bought, bought something. And, uh, you know, it, it's always been rented. It's a good rental area, but uh, I'm not going to see a whole lot of appreciation out of it. Yeah, well, here's here's the thing. You're going to eventually pay it off. So there's, mm-hmm. there's going to be equity there obviously. You're not losing money, and I think for your first uh for your first, you know, dip of the toe into real estate, I would say I, I'm sure you learned a lot cuz you just said things that you learned from it. So, you know what I mean? It's like you know, what's the cost of education? You know, you go to college mm-hmm. and what does that cost? You buy a duplex and it, it cash flows a little bit and it's always rented and, and you're going to have uh, some equity there long term. So, you know, you, you're making money while you learn. And, and that's what I always tell people. And what I love about it is you, you just got in there and got started. You made mistakes, you paid too much, whatever. But you got you got the ball rolling, and that's the hardest thing is just to get the ball rolling. So sometime between that duplex and today, you've managed to accumulate twenty one more units, right? Yep. So right now, I I own a total of six properties, including the first duplex I bought. Um, funny thing is, what I actually did was my first duplex I lived in. I lived there for about two years, bought a second duplex, and I moved into that. So I went from duplex to duplex, and I lived in my second duplex up until April of 2014. And then during that time when I was living in that second duplex, I accumulated um, three additional fourplexes and a sevenplex. Okay, so let's let's back it up a little bit because I know I, I I can just feel it. I have the question, and I know this is what people are asking as they're driving their car, listening to this, or wherever they're at. First of all, how do you find the properties that you're buying that you're um, that you're buying to hold? Where, where do you have a realtor? Or how how are you finding these properties? Mm-hmm. Uh, the first two the first two duplexes I bought I bought through a realtor, so basically just on the MLS. Okay. The next, let's see, the last four I bought I bought all privately. Um, two of the fourplexes I bought. I was driving around an area that had a high concentration of fourplexes. And at that time, I knew I wanted to find something to buy. And I saw a for rent sign. So I just called it. And I talked to the owner, asked him if he owned the property. 
and asked him if he was interested in selling the property. He actually owned two fourplexes right next to each other. Okay. And he was like, oh, he couldn't believe I actually called him. And he's like, you know, by golly, uh, my wife and I just recently, last few weeks, um, have decided to sell the properties. So um, I kept in contact with him and probably two to three months later, ended up closing on the two fourplexes. Wow. So those so I just a random brought, call. You just cold call yeah. basically. Okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah. That's that's actually pretty good pretty good uh, uh percentage of of success there. You call yeah. someone and, and you buy his properties. Yeah, funny thing is that's I mean, I probably maybe called five properties like that and I picked up, you know, two. So that's pretty cool. Okay. So the next question, and I'm assuming you said you found the all the other the other two you got, you also got privately. You you contacted the owners. Yeah, the uh one of the properties, the sevenplex, I, I sent out a, a handful of letters. Um, and what I did was, and I ha- ha- haven't heard, I mean, I'm sure people do this, but I called up a local assessor's um, office okay, and talked to their I- IT department, and they ran a report for me. Basically, all the multifamily properties in Cedar Rapids, which was quite a few. So once I got that list, I narrowed it down to probably 20 to 30 and I just sent out letters to those owners saying you know explaining my situation that I might be interested in buying their properties and that's how I picked up my seven plaques okay that's that's pretty cool actually I've never heard of anybody calling and talking to the IT department mm-hmm. now, how I've heard of people calling and saying I you know I call the the, uh, the the title companies or I call you know the courthouse and they give me a report but you mm-hmm. it sounds like you just basically went to the source you went to the people who are gonna run the reports and asked them for what you wanted Yep, exactly. Okay. I just called them. They sent me to their IT department, and they just had to run some sort of query to um, compile the report, and then they ended up charging me fifty bucks for it. Okay, that was going to be my next question. Did you have to pay for it? Okay, but fifty yep. bucks to you know that's that's nothing for the information that you were getting. Oh yeah, it's uh, very valuable information, and uh, I got it very cheaply. And you got you, did you get the address and the owner's name and all that information, or just the address? I got, yes, I got basically um, the assessor site, you know, shows the owner sure. of the property and the address of the property and where the tax bill is sent. Gotcha. Okay. So that I had all that information. Okay, perfect. Okay, so I know how you're finding your properties. I, I get that. So a couple more questions about these buy and holds. And I want to talk about your flip for sure, but I just want to get through this because there are landlords listening right now or want to be landlords, people who want to do this. And, and I know they're having certain basic questions. The next mm-hmm. question I have for you is when you are looking at these properties, you say you narrowed them down. You, you got a bunch of properties, you narrowed them down to the ones you want to call. What was your criteria for selecting the properties you selected? Uh, basically, my criteria, because um, like on the first property I bought, I I don't know if I really had a criteria, but uh, you know the, the first criteria I had on the other ones was location. Okay. Because um, location is very important to me, because you know the last thing I want is to advertise an apartment and having someone call me uh, with questions about the apartment, and then once they find out where it's located, essentially hang up on me. Right. Exactly. So, Try to avoid, you know, certain areas of town that's uh, known for a little higher crime. Right, areas. right. Because, you know, I want to rent to professionals, people who are fully employed, because um, that makes my life a lot easier. Absolutely. 
So okay. that was that was the first criteria. All right, you you are uh, a CPA, so please do not tell me you're not using heavy financial data to make your decisions. <laughs> <laughs> um, you'd be surprised. Um, I mean, I probably don't. You know, I don't uh, go through the analysis. I'm not real hardcore into that. Okay. Where I'll put pen to paper, but um, you know, I'll, I'll write on the back of a napkin. You know, because. For the most part, I feel like I got a pretty good understanding of the market. Cedar Rapids, where I live, is not like a not a huge market. It's 125,000. I got a pretty good handle on what the rents are, what property taxes are. So I go through that, confirm what the utilities are, and uh, you know a few a few other things. But uh, you probably you might be a little surprised. I don't go through the uh, analysis as some might. Okay, so there's not endless Excel sheets and data no. and you know calculating ROI and all this stuff. Okay, no. Okay, fair enough. You're a CPA, so now I feel like you've just basically given me authorization to stop doing all that because I'm not a CPA and I don't love mm-hmm. going through all that stuff. But no, I'm kidding. Um, so okay, so that's how. You, okay, so I understand how you're valuing. It's heavy on location, and I think that's smart. Like you said, I mean, you know, a lot of people will look at these houses in lower income areas, right? And they're yep. just on paper. They're they're just unbelievable deals, right? You buy something for just a few thousand dollars and you rent it out for eight hundred, and oh my god, look at all this cash flow. But meanwhile, nobody wants to move into that that location because it's just a dangerous part of town. Or if people move in, they're moving out in the middle of the night and they're you know breaking things and they're not paying rent. So I get yeah. it. I get it as a landlord myself, and you know that upfront work. I always say location, and if you do a lot of if you do really good screening up front, you're going to make the back end so much easier for yourself, so much less mm-hmm. headache. So I, I love that advice, and I think that's that's really smart. Now, finally, the big question, the one that I probably get more often than anything else, if you don't mind my asking, and I didn't ask you this prior to the interview, no, so ahead. you can tell me to bug off, but mm-hmm. how do you finance these? Um, so let's see. I've kind of financed all my properties a little differently. Um, the very first property I bought was FHA. Okay. So That's this the one back, you lived in, right? Yep. yep. So this was back in 2007. Yep. And essentially, um, I put my earnest money down at $500, um, and that was it. And I remember thinking, after I did that, I only had $300 left in my savings account, and uh, I couldn't get past the fact that they're loaning me eighty thousand dollars to buy a duplex. <laughs> well, this is right <laughs> before the crash, right? I yeah. Mean, yep. Yeah. That's and why, then, and, that's, um, that, and you just basically explained in a really, in a really rough way, why we had a crash, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. And then, um, let's see. My my first fourplex I bought, I, I bought on contract. Um, basically, um, I kind of knew the guy. Um, you know, the deal wasn't on the MLS. I just put 5% down, um, which was about 6200 bucks, And then within about 18 months, I refinanced it into a, into a 20-year mortgage. Okay. And then uh, the last two I bought, I put no money down on them. And I've just had the seller carry a second on each property. And I know there's a lot of times people say, um, you know, it's not smart. Or, you know, putting no money down on properties is kind of dangerous and all that. But... The way I view it is my lenders are the ones taking the risk. For sure. Yep. So if I can buy a property without having any money go out of my pocket, as long as the numbers look, you know, are decent, it's a good location, kind of fits my criteria, 
I don't have a problem doing that. No, I agree totally. I think it's a very smart way to do it. And I, I agree with you, though. People will debate that. It's a debatable mm. topic, I suppose. But I agree with you. If you can go no money down, I mean, that's incredible leverage. You know, the cash on cash obviously is off the charts. So I think it's a it's a smart strategy if you can do it. And as long as you know you're in this for the long haul, you know, there's really no issues if you have the best of intentions, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, yep. all right. <clears throat> I think I get your, your buy and hold portfolio how you got it, how you find properties, how you're evaluating, how you're funding them. And I think that that's, that in itself is is good information, and we could probably stop right here. But I want to dive now into a guy who has 23 rental units. You're a CPA. You get the idea of you know the long-term gains and, and all those things. Why in the world did you dive into house flipping, the, the wild and, and, and crazy chaotic world of house flipping? <laughs> Well, um, I mean, it's something that I always kind of thought about getting into. Um, and in a kind of a weird way, I always kind of thought it was for maybe, I guess, other people, um, <laughs> not, not myself. But, um, you know, earlier this year, <laughs> you know, it's funny because, you know, a lot of these buy and hold properties are nice. Um, and, you, you know, you have four or five good months in a row, but then a boiler goes out, a water heater goes out, and it kind of kind of diminishes those good months that yeah. you had. Yeah. Um, so there's really no large chunks of cash coming in unless you refi or sell them. And once I found out my wife and I were having a kid, <laughs> um, I thought, geez, I, I need to start making some more money. Yep. So that's kind of the reason why I decided to flip a house. Um, and this was back back in May of this year was when I decided I was going to find a property, and my goal was to find a property and flip it by the end of 2014. Okay. Nice. Now, tell us a little bit about that house. First of all, I it, you can tell me. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but in, in my market and in my business, finding a rental property or a property to buy and hold is different than finding a house to flip. And, and the biggest difference that I see and that I have talked to other people and that they tell me is the fix and flip properties, you need to get it at bigger discounts a lot of times than than you need to for a buy and hold because the, the goal is different, the end game is different, the, you know, it's it's all different. So, and maybe you're finding them the same way, but how are you finding your, well, how did you find the first flip? Let's just start there. How did you find that property? Okay. Um, the first flip I, I found, um, what I did was <clears throat> went online and ordered 50 bandit signs. Okay. And I know, you know, some people love bandit signs. Other people hate them. Yep. Um, my approach to it is if they're legal, you might as well use them. Um, they're not the most precise marketing tool because you're going to get a lot of tire kickers calling you. Yep. yep. But in my experience, I bought 50 bandit signs. I only put like 10 out in this particular area. Um, and the funny thing is that took me like two hours that's that's the reason why I didn't put all fifty out because <laughs> I was driving around trying to find good spots and yeah. two hours later I only had like ten up. Yeah, you, you ran out. You ran out of steam. Yeah, basically. <laughs> okay. So uh, yeah, so that's how I found my first uh, first flip was no uh, I got a phone call and uh, it was a guy who owned uh, I think sixteen single family homes. Um, he rented them. He was renting them out and uh, just he's decided to sell a few of them and just gave me a call. Now this is a guy who owns a lot of properties, so he—you uh, would assume he's a savvy investor. How did you get him at a low enough price to make them flippable? Well, um, what was I his mean, what was his motivation? I guess 
Yeah. Um, well, his motivation, according to him, was he, uh, he owned an inspection company, so he, was, uh, he inspected houses. And he just kind of got, I think, overwhelmed. He had 16 of them. Um, this particular one needed quite a bit of work, and he just wasn't willing to put in the time to fix it up and re-rent it or sell it. So he just saw my sign. Um, there was very little negotiation once we, he just kind of threw out a price, and I knew it was a very good price, so um, we kind of just went from there. All right. I, I do want to say this, all right? I've talked to a lot of people on this podcast. I mean, a lot of people, and a lot of investors. And one thing that I don't hear very often, and I, th- I think it's important and I want to highlight it, especially, especially, especially for new real estate investors, listen closely, Okay. If you are trying to find your first deal, your second deal, your fourth deal, whatever, if you're relatively new and you are confident of what your numbers are, right? You know what the ARV is and you have some 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 level of confidence there and you are offered a price that works, it fits within your numbers, buy it, right? Everything doesn't have to be a negotiation. Everything doesn't have to be greedy and let's get it lower, lower, lower. You could lose deals that way. And I, I really like to hear that you the guy made you an offer, you knew it was a good offer, and you took it. End of story, right? Take it, do the deal, flip it, move on. Everything doesn't have to be a home run. I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't a home run. Maybe it was. But if you know that it fits within your framework of your price structure and your, your the, what you're trying to do, then don't be afraid to take it. It doesn't mean you lost just because you didn't negotiate it down lower because who knows? If you would have pushed this guy too far, he might have said, you know what? Forget about it. Forget it. I gave you a good price, and, and I can see that you're not, you know, you don't know what you're doing, so I'm going to move on. That could happen. That's that's a real possibility. So and, go ahead. Oh, and actually one thing I'd like to add is, um, you know, I we went ahead and, uh, you know, I bought the property, and uh, I've developed a fairly good relationship with him, and he's actually emailed me a few times to see if I've been interested in some of his other rentals, so, you know, for me to buy and flip. So, um, you know, it's definitely, uh, hopefully it's much more rewarding than just the first house I bought from. Yeah, and, and you work this this guy down and really work him over on, on the negotiation. And yeah, maybe he doesn't even call you again. I mean, I'm not saying that's what would happen, but guys, just understand, right? This, this, this business, if you want to do it in, in, as a business, and it's not just a one-time or two-time thing, you know, it's about the, it's a numbers game. You know, you're going to do more and more deals, and every deal is not going to be a home run. Everything doesn't have to be like this is you know the the deal that you get to quit your job and go on vacation. You keep doing the deals. It's a volume thing. So I, I just really like that you you know obviously recognize this guy has more properties, and you know who knows where where your relationship with this guy goes from here. At the very least, like you said, maybe you're going to buy more properties. So I, I just really like that, and I, I don't want to get on a soapbox here, but I just think you know sometimes people think oh that whatever they offer you you've got to you know, offer half of that and then, you know, try to work your way into the middle. No, you don't. If they offer you a good price, take it, move on, flip the house and go to the next one. That That's how this business is really done by, you know, by really successful investors. They realize you don't, you don't have to fight every single battle. If there's no battle, then don't fight. So, I like that, and I interrupted your entire train of thought. So let's 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 move <laughs> forward on this. I want to see where this went. So you, you bought the first one from him. He gave you a good price. You recognize it was a good price. You agreed on on that one. So it, can you tell me how how did you calculate the after repair value? 
because that's a big question I get. And then tell me, if you don't mind, how you calculated the rehab. And I don't know how many of your rental units you had to do extensive rehab, but this one sounds like it was a little bit more. So how did you know to how to calculate that? How did you get those numbers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so first off, I you know I had to calculate what I think I could sell it for. And the way I came up with the after repair value was, and I just did this all myself, um, I just went online, found properties that were listed, found properties that were pending, and found properties that were um, have recently sold. And I did that mostly by just um, going on the assessor site to see what has sold. And then um, in order to find what was listed and pending, I went on uh, local uh, real uh, real estate websites to see what houses have sold in that area. Now, this particular house um, was a little unique because it's, it's a one and a half story house. So basically, the second level was the third bedroom. Okay. Okay. So I, I kind of thought that was uh, maybe a little easier for me to calculate the after repair value because you know I'm not going to necessarily compare this house to a, a ranch style house because. Um, you know, some people just don't like one and a half story houses. Sure. So, you know, I calculated the ARV and, you know, I, I was trying to be conservative, obviously, and I came up with roughly 100000 Okay. I, yeah. I felt let me, pretty let, me, let me stop you real quick, Tyler. I'm sorry to do that. But can you tell me what websites you use to find the, the, the recently sold, the pendings? I know the recently sold use assessors. You told me yep. that. But the pending and the for sale, you said local real estate websites. But which websites? Are there something in your local area that, that you used? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So Yeah, there's a local, um, a pretty large real estate company that um, it's very handy because they're the only website in town that will show what's pending. Oh, wow. Now, I can't tell what the accepted price is, but it gives me a pretty pretty good idea of sure. what the house sold for. You know, I can kind of come up with my own um, you know, estimate, I guess. Okay, that, that's very cool. I just wanted to clarify that for people who are going, what website did he use? I want to use it. So, okay, don't, you can't use it unless you're in Cedar Rapids or in that area, right? So it's, mm-hmm. it's not going to work for everybody else. Okay, very cool. Let's, let's go from there. You, you had your, your numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how you got the after repair value. Now... The, um, the the rehab costs. How did you do that? Okay. Well, first, when I looked at the house, I looked uh, looked at the house by myself with the seller, just to see if it's a house that I'm interested in buying. And then I came back a second time with essentially my my partner on the deal. Um, you know, I'm financing the property, buying the property, finding the property, and then I brought in um, essentially my contractor Neil, who I, who I've worked with for about four years now. He does a lot of handyman work on my my rental properties, so I brought him back for the second um, viewing, and we kind of went through um, kind of the cost of everything. And I just jotted all the repairs down, what I think would need to be repaired, um, and my plan for the property, and came up with a final rehab cost to kind of figure out where that would put me. All right, as a re- as a house flipper myself. In hearing how you went about that, I am dying to find out how close your actual rehab cost compared to your estimate when you were quoting it. Um, I was within, well, my total rehab costs, um, and this is factoring in like real estate taxes and carrying costs. Okay. Uh, my total rehab cost was 18400 and I was hoping to be between about fifteen and sixteen, so I was a little high. Um 
or on the actual number, I was high. Um, biggest reason was I, I underestimated Windows. Okay. Um, I've never had Windows before uh, put in a property, and I was, I was a little low on that. So that kind of what, kinda put what me was over. your average cost per window approximately? What were you spending? What where, where did you go wrong? Were you just wrong per window, or did you do an overall estimate that was just wrong overall? Uh, the, my actual cost ended up being three hundred bucks a window, okay, right. including install, and. I based it on um, a local company that does advertising, and they advertise it for a certain price per window, and I just went off that. And, and that's 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 my own fault, kind of being lazy and not really um, getting more accurate quotes, but um, ended up being three hundred bucks a window. Okay, I mean that's it. Sounds like very like a small detail, but there's people out there jotting that down real quick because. It's just it's a number that you know people just don't they don't know and they don't know what they don't know. So, you know, you yep. did the same thing, and just to hear that I think is helpful for people. And real so, quick, yeah, yeah, oh, go. No, no, real quick. Um, and this is one thing I learned from that my first flip is um, I, I developed a relationship with someone that um, installs Windows, not the same people that installed my Windows on my first property. And I'm going to bring that cost down on my second property to about two hundred bucks a window. Nice. Nice. So that's gonna gonna be quite a bit better for me. And I'll tell you, this this industry really is about relationships, meeting people. Man, I just can't even tell you the amount of money I've made or saved because of relationships and getting out there and meeting people. Like you said, I mean, just doing jobs and just you know encountering people along the way. It's just it's huge and. Again, I hate to go back to it, but it goes back to just just get started. Don't think I have to make all these relationships before I ever do anything, before I ever flip a house. I have to know a contractor and a window guy, and I have to CPA, and I've got to have a uh, you know all these different people. You don't just get out there and start going, and you'll encounter and you'll you'll grow your network, and and that's exactly how this business is done. So, great example there too. Now, as you went through the flip, because it's you know being off first of all being off by a couple thousand dollars on your first flip is nothing I think that's awesome so congratulations for that now you did it for eighteen thousand dollars and you're in you're in Cedar Rapids Iowa I, I don't know that market I don't know but I but I do know costs of rehab so can you tell me just basically what was the square footage of the house that you, and this is maybe more like I'm just kind of getting like detailed for my own per personal like selfish reasons I'm curious but how big was the house how many square feet yep the house was a 1318 square feet is a one and a half story house okay um, three bedrooms and one and a half bath one bath on the main level and then there was like a little dinky half bath in the basement. Okay, and what did you do to the house? I don't need the whole laundry list, but mm -hmm. essentially, did you switch out the kitchen, the bathroom, the flooring? The like, what did you do? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this was like a, I think a perfect flip because it was entirely cosmetic. I had no, I didn't have to replace a, a roof or a new furnace or do any foundation work. So it was great, essentially all cosmetic. So, I mean, replaced every single window in the house. There were sixteen windows. Um, redid the kitchen. So we tore out the cabinets, put in new cabinets, countertop, appliances, uh, redid the bathroom. So we tore that out, put some nice uh, tile work, um, uh, tiled the floor, and then tiled the shower. And uh, from there, mostly just paint, redid the hardwoods, um, you know, basic cosmetic rehab. You replaced doors and knobs and all that kind of stuff? Um, some. The okay. doors, we mostly uh, we just repainted. Um, it was an older house, so we wanted um, 
kind of, I guess, to keep some of that character. Mm-hmm. So most of the doors we just repainted. Okay. That's actually not bad. It sounds like you were somewhere in the neighborhood of, I don't know, $16, $17 a square foot, mm-hmm. which is actually really good. I mean, when I'm when I'm looking at houses, you know, before I ever walk into them, if I'm just trying to crunch some numbers quickly to see if it's even in the ballpark, I usually figure around $20 a square foot. So coming in at like $16, $17 a square foot, that's, that's really, really good, actually. I mean, especially, you know, first time around, it, it's great. Most people, first time around, their biggest regret is how much they spend on rehab. You know, they spent way too much. So it sounds like you had pretty tight numbers there and you kept to them pretty closely. So that's, that's awesome. And I will say that number... Um, does not reflect because essentially uh, what my what my partner and I uh, decided was I was going to pay him out of the proceeds. Yeah, perfect a certain portion. So that eighteen thousand does not include his labor, but includes everyone else's labor. Gotcha. So you did like a like a equity split basically at the end. Essentially, yep. Or, or like a net profit split. Okay, gotcha. That's and that's cool. That's exactly how I started. That's how I did tons of deals. Just. Yeah, I mean that that's a great win-win situation. I mean it's just perfect, and I I think that's how a lot of people should start if they're not because they're making it tough on themselves if they're trying mm-hmm. to go out and, and get that money. Um, you know, deal splits are great. Yep. So, what anything happened along the way that that you had to learn from any any challenges that came up or anything that that popped up you weren't ready for? Um, you know, overall, um, I don't want to toot my own my own horn, but no, do I it, do it, went pretty well. <laughs> Okay. You know, there's no big surprises, no big, there's no drama like you see on the TV shows. Like I, you know, didn't realize the foundation was caving in or something like that. <laughs> you know what? The, it, wow, you're already a professional flipper because I tell <laughs> people that all the time. If if you're a house flipper and your deals go anything like what the deals go on TV with these house flipping shows, if that's mm-hmm. how your deals go, you're you're doing a horrible horrible job because mm-hmm. house flipping if it's done well is relatively uneventful, kind of boring, sort of routine. You know, it's really not that exciting if it's if it's done well. If there's a lot of drama and excitement, you've really miscalculated something along the way. You know, I watch these shows and they say our budget for this house is $40,000. That's what it's going to cost us to renovate. And then at the end of the show, it's like $85,000. <laughs> and, oh, by the way, they still make fifty grand at the end of the deal. It's just, it's nutty. I mean, it's it's yeah. TV and it's it's probably scripted and, and half of it's probably fake. But whatever. If it's that crazy, you're doing something wrong. So I actually <laughs> like hearing that it was uneventful and, and pretty much followed the script because that's exactly how it should be. So, you know, you did obviously a really good job there. Now, you've already bought, uh, let's see, you're... Yeah, you're working on flip number two. Can you talk about that one a little bit? How did you find it? You know, what are some of the numbers? Yep. Um, now, the second property um, I bought from the MLS, um, so I went through a realtor. Um, it was actually a HUD home. Okay. And it's here in Cedar Rapids. It's a uh, it's 1,100 square feet. Uh, it's a two bedroom, one bath. It's got one half stall out in the in the back. One one half stall garage. Okay. Um, it was listed for forty thousand. Uh, we went and looked at it, and overall, it's a pretty solid house. So I went in and uh, made a cash offer of thirty-eight thousand. Okay. And it got got accepted. So we closed on that November fourth, and we started work on that. We've had a little hiccup. Um, one thing I, I have learned is that I don't know if this is just a Cedar Rapids thing or is this all over the place, but the house sat uh, vacant for over a year, so the gas was turned off. Okay. 
Well, I called the um, gas company to have them turn the gas back on. And they told me, well, you got to have a plumber come out, do a pressure test. Then once they do that, the city has to come out and do a, a final inspection. So it's kind of slowed us down a little bit because we can't, you know, mud the walls and texture and paint the walls. So um, kind of at a standstill right now for the next few days, hoping to get the gas turned on like on Tuesday. Yeah, that doesn't Start sound unusual to me. That sounds pretty, pretty normal. I think that's exactly mm-hmm. what happens here, too. Now, you said you got it for 38 cash. Yep. What was the after repair value that you calculated? Uh, conservatively, 80000 Okay. Um, we'll probably end up listing it for about eighty to eighty-five thousand. Okay. And what's the um, rehab cost that you're estimating? Rehab ten to twelve. Okay. I'm really hoping to stay at ten, but uh, you know, I'm I'll be okay going up to twelve. So it's kind of a range. Kind of kind of depends on. Uh, I'm contemplating putting in a new central air into the house. So if if I do that, it'll bump it up definitely to twelve. Okay. Um, so this sounds like it's a cosmetic cosmetic type. Uh, flip too. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing fancy. Um, pretty straightforward, cosmetic. Um, hoping to hoping to be all in for 50 and no more. Okay. And sell for 80. I'm assuming your profits are going to be somewhere around 15 grand. Is that close or am I off? Um, if I, if we list it for 80, uh, should be about 20 because I'm, I'll estimate about 10%. Um, cause I'll be listing with a realtor that's 7% yep. here in Seton Rapids. Okay. And then factor in proration property taxes and all that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully get net proceeds about, uh, well, about 70,000. So, um, proceed, you know, profit will be about 20 okay. and then I'll have to pay my partner on it. Probably pay him about six. So I'll make about 14, but okay. Okay. for the most part, I'm not doing a whole lot of work on it. It's mostly other people. That's awesome. Yeah, well, if I have one piece of advice for you as a house flipper, do it. The less you do, the the better off you are. You really don't want to get in there and get and, your hands dirty. Yeah, that's one thing I learned on my first flip. You know, I'm not real handy, but uh, you know, I can do basic demo, paint, that sort of thing. And you know, on my first flip, I was really thinking I was going to save a buck and yeah. go over there after work and do all this, but my partner ended up redoing half the stuff I did. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So. I'm, I'm begging you to resist temptation to do anything. Don't even pick up a hammer. That's yep. I, I've, I've talked about that so many times. It's just, it's just a bad idea. So, and, and what I always say is I'm not handy either. I, I can't build anything. I, I don't know how to fix much, but what I do know is I know how much it should cost to be done. And I know how long it should take. And those are the two key things as a house flipper. You have to know to know exactly how to do it completely unimportant in my opinion as long as you know what it should cost and how long it should take you're you're good to go now we we didn't talk about in your first house one thing i didn't ask you is uh i don't think i asked you what you paid for it if you did i didn't take that note i know you said the after repair value was around a hundred thousand can you tell me what you paid for it and then what your profits were at the end of the day yeah so purchase price was fifty three thousand five hundred okay um, let's see, rehab costs was basically 18400 so it was all in for 71900 And the sale price actually ended up being one hundred nine. Okay. Okay, so 109000 And my net proceeds um, was $94,592. Um, so my gross profit on the deal was 25492 Okay. So, nice. And then I had to pay, uh, pay my partner on it. Nice. That's that's uh, awesome. And it sounds to me, yeah, yeah, out of the twenty five thousand. Gotcha. Now it sounds like to me, 
see if I got this right. I'm sort of like deductive reasoning here and what you've told me. You, your partner is doing the construction work, so he is getting reimbursed for the materials, obviously. Yes. And are you are you are you not paying his labor, but he's getting a portion of the of the profits, or are you paying him labor as well? I'm not paying him labor. Um, what I'm doing is he keeps track of all all the hours he works. And he puts in on the job. Okay. And then after we sell a house, and I have you know, the gross, you know, the net proceeds from the sale, I cut him a check. Um, and, and the funny thing is we didn't really agree on anything, but basically I wanted to, my goal was to double what he normally would charge people for doing work. Okay. Cause I wanted to make sure that he got the most out of working with me on this deal. Okay. Does that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense and that's his that's essentially his profit. It's 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 it sounds like it, his profit is his normal wages times 2. Or or, or his normal yep. his normal wages plus his normal wages on top of that as as like his part of the profit. Mhm. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. No, that's a good that's I've never heard of that arrangement before, but I think it's great. I mean, it, you know, he has a vested interest now in the house, in the flip going really, really well. So mm. I, I think that's kind of a, a un, it's unique. I've never heard of it, but I think it's a, a very cool way of doing it. Yeah. So, I mean, he's acting basically as a general contractor. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. All right. My, I'm going to say it again. Don't, don't pick up any hammers. Don't do anything. Resist the urge, Tyler. I'm begging you. I, I don't think I will because my, I mean, my partner. He, I think he gets mad now. <laughs> that, so. All right, it makes two of us. I'll manage if you do it too. All right. <laughs> so, I, man, this is awesome, and we're running over. So I want to wrap this up. But you, so you're a landlord. You've been a landlord since 2007, essentially. Uh, you, you did that successfully. You're doing that successfully. Uh, a child on the way need to make bigger chunks. Let's let's ramp this up and, and start, you know, making some some bigger chunks of money. You dive into flipping and it sounds like from from day 1 you're doing a lot of, of the right things other than trying to do some of the work. You're you're making you're profiting, you're finding more properties. You know, you have a partner that it's working well. He's he's the general contractor and he's, you know, doing that part of it. So Man, I, I mean, you're not really. There's really nothing here that I could say. Hey, man, you you know, you need to really look at these areas. You're just doing some some great stuff. This is yeah. awesome. I'm I'm excited for you. It sounds like 2015. Uh, you know, you're on the track for eight flips. I don't see why you wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, I will say. I mean, if I would have tried to do this seven years ago, um, you know, probably would be a completely different story. But I think owning, you know some rentals for seven years, being involved in real estate definitely helped me um, to do my first flip. I couldn't imagine doing a flip um, as my first venture into real estate. That'd be very tough. But, uh, you know, after seven years, I've, you know, got some relationships and I got a fairly good idea of what's going on. So that definitely helped. Yeah, that's awesome. It's so cool, man. Listen, we don't have a lot of time. I would like to ask you, though, based on the, you know, the years that you've been doing this, the last seven plus years you've been doing this, and, and having done now a, a flip, you're working on your second one, what, what advice do you have for new real estate investors, people who want to get into, whether it be landlording or flipping houses, what would you tell them? What words of advice would you give that person? I think you know the biggest piece of advice I'd give, and it's something that I always try to stick to, because um, a lot of times people, 
they think if you want to make a lot of money, it has to be complicated. So they spit, you know, analysis by paralysis. But I always like the acronym KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. Yep. And that was my approach to this first flip. I knew I was going to, I just wanted to find a house that was going to be fairly straightforward. I wasn't interested in knocking down walls, rearranging the kitchen, adding a bathroom, doing all that. I mean, I guess I could have, but once I do that, you know, the timeline is much more difficult to stick to. And also the rehab costs would be much more difficult to stick to, especially doing it for the first time. So I I, I just like to keep things simple and, uh, you know, simple can still make you money. Absolutely. Simple will make you more money, in my opinion. So I think that's great Mm -hmm. advice. Great advice. All right. So. If anybody would want to get a hold of you to whatever, just reach out and, and, and try to get a hold of you and talk to you about your business, what would be the best way for them to get a hold of you? Uh, the best way, they can just email me if they'd like. Okay. Um, my email address is jetpropertiesllc at hotmail.com. And feel free to email me. Um, I'll be happy to respond to you if you got any questions or comments. Um, feel free to send them my way. I love it, man. I think sometimes the best people to ask are the people who are just a couple steps ahead of you. So uh, great, great interview. I really enjoyed this, man. I, I appreciate you being on. Uh, I didn't contact you that long ago, so you kind of quickly agreed to do it, and I and I really appreciate that. I appreciate your time. I know you work full-time, and uh, you know this is, this is your evening hours with your family right now. So thanks for taking a little bit of time to do this with me, and good luck to you in the future. I, I'd like to check back with you maybe and just see, hey, how are you doing on your eight flips, and and, and Let's see how things are going, if you don't mind. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate it, Mike. Uh, uh, you know, thanks for inviting me on your show and having me as a guest. Uh, it's the first time I've ever used Skype. So uh. <laughs> you're doing a great job. I appreciate. Okay, it. good. good. <laughs> all right, man. Well, listen. Thanks again. Have a great night and all the luck in the world to you next year and, and all your goals in real estate. I, I really do hope uh, hope you achieve them and exceed them. Okay. Thanks a lot. You too, Mike. All right. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Bye bye. All right, guys, remember, if you want to be successful in real estate, if you really want to achieve your goals, if you've been listening to this podcast, reading books, doing all of your homework, there really is only one thing left for you to do in order to achieve those goals and be successful in real estate. Just start. 